Welcome to the Amazing Mets cast, episode 12, the final countdown. We gotta love this here. We are in the absolute final week of the Major League Baseball regular season. 162 games have already flown by, almost 159 by our aspect, or yep, 159. So, as we listen to this today, this Thursday, September 29th, the New York Mets just completed um, their series with the Miami Marlins. That was completely mumbled. The Miami Marlins. Yes, there it is. So, obviously that was a completely emotionally draining series for both teams uh, with the absolute tragic passing of Jose Fernandez. And, um, you know, there's really not much that can be said what these two teams had to endure to put on a game face, go out there, play a game that they love, a game that absolutely Jose Fernandez was truly in love with. It was his passion. You could see it every day that he took the mound. Um, one of the most exciting pitchers I've ever seen pitch, whether it be pitching at the plate, the guy was always having fun, and you have to admire somebody like that. You know, uh, how these the Marlins went out there and played that game just hours after learning of their you know, friend, brother, family member, however you want to phrase it, and doing how they did, it was it was incredible. You know, it, it was just one of those games where you really see that the importance of the game, it, it took a backseat to what was going on in, you know, real life, so to say. And uh, great job by the Marlins, Great job by the Mets for handling the situation the way they did. Um, my hat goes off to how these players really took the situation and you know turned it into a celebration as best they could. Um, you know, all the sadness aside, of course, this is a very exciting week for the Mets for our fans, as the Mets are right at the tip of the wild card at this point. Um, as we're recording this, St. Louis is losing 2-1 to in the 8th inning to Cincinnati. Hopefully that's going to stand up and the Mets will have a 2.5 game lead going into their off day today as they head into the final three games of the season against the Philadelphia Phillies. Side note, why the episode sounds so much better today than it did the last couple weeks? Well, because I was dumb enough to actually have my microphone as the computer microphone instead of my cool fancy radio person microphone which i'm using now so now that that's settled the mic show doesn't sound like absolute dog crap again i'm glad to know that and i'm glad that you know that now that i give you this useless information that you really don't give a crap about that's okay though we're going to take a quick break on that note and we're going to be back with mets daddy as many of you have i'm sure read his articles whether it be on metsmerizeonline.com or his very own personal blog metsdaddy.com we will be back after these short messages as we'll discuss a little bit of everything. We all want our favorite baseball team to win, but when that doesn't happen, Game Hedge, the best place to buy your sports tickets, has your back with the good game guarantee. With Game Hedge, if the game doesn't go your way, all is not lost. Buy tickets from GameHedge.com, and if the home team loses by five or more runs, Game Hedge will refund 50% of your ticket price. Why leave it to chance? Protect your emotional and financial investment with GameHedge.com, creator of the good game guarantee. 
Welcome back to the Amazing Mets cast. We have with us our special guest of the week. Uh, John joins us this week, Mets Daddy, as many of you know him from MetsMorizeOnline.com and MetsDaddy.com. John, thanks very much for joining us this week. No, it's my pleasure. All right, John. So obviously it's been a crazy week in baseball. Uh, you know, the Mets and Marlins playing together in the, after the tragic passing of Jose Fernandez. Uh, Mets had the undesirable task of heading to Miami to take on the Marlins just a day after the passing of their beloved ace. I mean, it's really one of the more surreal experiences I've ever witnessed of watching a game. John, what was your thoughts on everything, these two teams playing after this occurred and just the incredible events overall? You know, I wrote about it over on my own personal blog, com, and I know it's not a very, I guess, apt comparison, but where I went to was, now I kind of know how the Braves fans felt when Piazza hit that home run. Um, when D. Gordon came up and on the second pitch of the game, he hit that home run off Bartolo Colon, I was just watching it going, you know, this game means a lot to the Mets in terms of playoffs and whatnot, but in the greater scheme of things, it meant a lot more to the Marlins and Jose Fernandez's family and everyone. So at all points during that game, I I desperately wanted the Mets to win like I do every other game. But I was probably more understanding of the Mets completely laying an egg in that game than I have been than, say... Uh, when Tom Glavin wasn't devastated on the last game of the 2017 season. Yeah, it, it was just really one of those weird, conflicting things. And I saw the comparison a lot, like you said, with that game with the Braves and Piazza's home run. I couldn't equate it to anything else myself either. It was just one of those strange scenarios where you're, you, these guys have just been through so much where you're you're pulling for them. You know, if you, if you think in terms of football, you, you think of Favre with that, uh, what was it, Four touchdown game, the game winning pass in overtime right after his father passed, but mm-hmm. this is different. They not only the Marlins not only lost a teammate, um, from what I've heard from different people, like um Kirk Jimenez, the former SNY ESPN guy who's now in Miami, um he talked about how Jose Fernandez was the perfect guy for the community, heavily involved in the community, not just time with his time and, but also his money or vice versa and how it was really important for the city of Miami to have, um, given its heavy Cuban population to have a guy who defected from Cuba became an American citizen, spoke English and Spanish could really relate to each and every person in that city. Um, and just thinking about the whole Jose Fernandez defecting story is a whole other level that makes this tragic. Yep. Um, for people who haven't read about this, he tried, I believe it was three times, and before he turned the age of 15, he was thrown into jail for his attempts to come to America. He finally sets out on the voyage across the Gulf of Mexico where he finally gets his freedom and he gets his chance to come to America to be with his stepfather. En route, 
his mother falls overboard and a 15-year-old, Jose Fernandez, jumps overboard and rescues his mother and swims back to the boat. Um, I know myself and many other people, you know, just the just the sad juxtaposition of the two where you're thinking to yourself, where was Jose Fernandez's hero on that fatal early Sunday morning crash? Yeah, and to touch back on that too, when when his mother fell off the boat from, I watched something as an MLB Network uh, special they had a few years ago. Supposedly, he didn't even know it was his mother right away. It was really dark at night. This person fell overboard and his first instinct was to just jump in the water and save this person. He realizes it's his mother, freaks out even more, and you know, saves the, the woman. It's unreal. That 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 that's an even, and you're a hundred percent right about that. And that just speaks to not just the ball player we lost; it speaks to the human being that was lost. Yeah. I mean, and, and as if all of this isn't sad and tragic enough. He, his girlfriend is expecting mm-hmm. with a child. Now, we for a whole other topic, you know, the salary structure of the minor leagues and, you know, paying people based on past performance of free agency, um, this was his first year of arbitration or, or whatnot. Um, I believe it was arbitration. Uh, and he he was making like two point three eight million for a guy who probably on the open market make what thirty forty million oh, a doubt. year. And I'm not even I'm not even using hyperbole here. I think someone would pay for a twenty four year old ace somewhere between thirty to forty million. Yep. Um, you know, Yankees would line up um, if he, you know, as sad as this would be, if this happened a couple of years down the road. You can go, all right, he, he got his huge payday. This kid is set for life. It's not the case. Now we have a situation. I don't, uh, personally, I don't know where um, Jose Fernandez's family was financially speaking. Uh, for all I know, they were a come to America story. They built their own family business. I don't know. But fact of the matter is, this is now going to be a single mother. Um, who's raising a child alone who doesn't have the financial, you know, fallback than, you know, another player's wife would be because his money, I'm assuming his money's gone because what do people usually do with their first big paycheck? They get the house, they get the car, they take care of their family, you know, and it's usually the second or third somewhat year that they tend to be a little bit more responsible with the money. Um, and the other thing too about this is you read stories that every time he gets a huge payday or he gets a pay bump, first thing he does is he donates to one of the the charities right. down in Miami that specializes in childhood cancer. You know, I, I know from reading that, the first thing that came to my mind was I really hope somebody, whether it be baseball, the Players Association, the Marlins, Somebody steps up and helps this child financially and does for this child what Jose Fernandez had done for the community and for children through the charities he supported and gave his time to. Yeah, I think it will be the case. I mean, the guy, you could just see these players were absolutely devastated. And honestly, to me, one of the even crazier things about all this is 
that could have been any of these Marlins players from what it sounded like on that boat with him. Supposedly he, from what I read, went down the line asking all these different guys to come with him that night. They all declined. Uh, Marcelo Zuna, I think, was the main one who came out and said, hey, man, I got to get back to my wife and kids. I can't go tonight, you know, but please be safe. I mean, something like that just really hits home to you knowing that that could have been me. And, and, you know, I I also thought of something that happened, I think it was a little over 20 years ago. Um, I don't remember exactly who was on the boat, but there was a similar instance with the Phillies. There was a bachelor party or something, and I think only three or four of the Phillies actually went out on the boat, and there was a huge boating accident. Um, I think it was like um, Dutch and Kruk, and it may have even been nails. But, you know, you think about um, just that, that, you know, just something simple. I, I know it's not simple, but something going out on the water, next thing you know, you're facing career season-ending injuries, or as we see with Jose Fernandez, even worse. Yeah, I, I mean, I know the one uh, was with the Cleveland Indians. Bobby Hoyeda was actually involved. Whereas Ojeda and I believe two other guys, two other teammates died on the boat and Ojeda survived. It's just, it's there, crazy. There's, a, there's yeah. another example. Yeah. Uh, I'll switch gears a little bit. I mean, obviously a day later, you know, things seem to go a bit back to normal as the teams competing. It would seem more like a regular style game. Uh, the Mets get Noah Syndergaard back into the rotation, looking more like the ace we have come to love over the last year and a half. How big was that start to you, John, for Syndergaard? It was, it was, in my opinion, it was the biggest start of the entire season for a number of reasons. One, going a little bit back to Jose Fernandez, the the Marlins were not the only team affected. If you saw um, Cespedes crying on the field, embracing the players, mm-hmm. you heard Travis Darnot talking about how he was personally crying on the field watching D. Gordon lose it. Um, there was an excellent article uh, by Bob Clappish um, where the Mets were saying their hearts just were not into beating this Marlins. Yeah. Um, I'm sure there are some Mets fans who are going to be upset with it. I wasn't um, just for the simple fact that these are human beings, sure. you know, dealing with the death. And it's always been a personal personal philosophy of mine. No one deals well with death. You're not supposed to. If, pe- you know, some people drink, some people eat, some people completely shut down. I don't judge people how they respond to it. So what the Mets needed to do is they just needed someone to go out there and be a stabilizing presence. By Syndergaard going out there and throwing those six, brilliant innings. They weren't the best innings of his career. They weren't the best innings of the season, but they were, he did want an ace he needed to do. He went out there, he got his emotions in check and he shut down the Marlins. And what that allowed the people to do is slowly get back into the game and slowly get back into, this is a pennant race. You yep. got to win games. You got to get this wild card. And there's one other important thing. People, haven't really talked about in terms of Syndergaard was his last start was terrible. Yes, it was. Three point two innings, hundred pitches. What was it? Uh, five, six, seven runs yeah. allowed against a brace team. I know they got Matt Kemp, which makes him better offensively. 
I don't care. I, if, if, if Syndergaard faced the murderer's row Yankees, if he faced a big red machine, I would never expect a start like that from him. No, his especially stuff, in the pennant race like this. Yeah, his stuff is way too good for him to ever have a start like that. And look, people, it happens. It happens. But when you're in the middle of a pennant race, and with the Mets being down Harvey, DeGrom, Mats, you know, um, you know, Wheeler never coming back, <laughs> you know, and you can, you know, I, I say this tongue in cheek, you know, Nice is even around. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't have a fifth starter. Um, you have a good bullpen, which has just been abused left and right by Terry Collins. Even his new toy, Fernando Salas, has <laughs> what, the fifth most appearances in the month of September. Yeah. Um, the Mets needed some guy to go out there and give him depth, and he needs to get on a good roll because ideally this was his last start of the season, and you kind of, at least mentally, would like your guys to have their last start to be just a really good start, something to build off of. You don't want them to have the doubt in the back of their mind. So that start was really important. And as we're on the phone now um, talking about this, we're now at the second most important start with Seth Lugo on mm-hmm. the mound. And he seems to be doing his typical Seth Lugo, haha, you can't hit me if you're on base <laughs> type of thing. Yeah, so far it's looking good. As we record, and Mets are up 3 2, I believe going into the fifth now. And you know, just to get back to Syndergaard, obviously there's been the talk now of. If there's home field advantage at stake, hopefully if we get there on Sunday, um, do you pitch him Sunday or do you hold him out to the wild card game? To me, it's not even a question. You hold him out to the wild card game. John, what's your thoughts on that? You know, honestly, and I, I don't say this kidding around. If the Mets have clinched by Sunday and Terry Collins goes and he throws Noah Syndergaard to get home field advantage, I would actually walk down, or I, it's actually not walking down, you know, with the way the building situation. I would, if I was in the Alderson, I would walk in the dugout. I would pull Syndergaard from the game personally, and I would tell Terry Collins that he will get a nice severance package. <laughs> there is no way, there is, there, there is no way you throw Syndergaard unless you have to win the game. The wild card game is a winner-take-all game. You need your best pitcher on the mound. Look, the Mets are doing the right thing in saying, Cologne, we need you to start on Friday as opposed to Saturday because we need you on normal rest right. in case Syndergaard has to go Sunday. Seth Lugo will be on his normal rest. To me personally, that means if something happens to Syndergaard or Syndergaard has to pitch on Sunday, you have two pretty good options. Syndergaard's your ace. If the Mets were to go down, you don't want to go down without having your best pitcher on the mound. Yep. Yeah, I, um, I don't get it. I don't even know how it's also being talked there's about. There's no way. <laughs> I don't even, like, I, I thought I saw it, like, the first one I saw a tweet that was Mark Carrig. I almost... I almost jumped out the window from the fifth floor. Like, how could you be that stupid? It reminds me of a situation, what was it, three years ago, where um, the, the, the Pirates had the wild card locked up. 
and going into the last game of the season, um, they were one game back in the division. So I actually remember this. Um, Clint Hurdle threw, I believe it was Garrett Cole, their ace, on the last game of the season under the philosophy of, well, you would rather win the division than have to play in the wild card game. What winds up happening is, yeah, of course, I think the Pirates won the game, but they didn't win the division, and now you're going into a winner-take-all game without your ace. Guess what happens? The Pirates lose the game. And was it really worth chasing something as almost inconsequential as maybe a shot at home field, maybe a shot at the vision, as opposed to, look, I don't care if we play this game in San Francisco. I don't care if we play this game in St. Louis. I don't care if we play this game in New York. I don't care if we play this game at the South Pole. We are going to win this game if Noah Syndergaard pitches. Yep. That has to be the mindset. Yeah, I, it's it's not even a question. I, I can't believe it's honestly still being talked about. I saw even more tweets today, I think from um, Anthony DeComo, that Collins was still seriously considering this. I mean, I honestly hope he's just, like, screwing around with people at this point. But this should not even be a thought. You know, I, I, the first time I was on the podcast, I talked about firing Terry Collins. Mm-hmm. This is where you have the problem. The thing with Collins is he's a good clubhouse guy. There's no denying that. You never have a trouble with anyone in that clubhouse. You don't question their preparation for games. You don't question their effort. We overlook that a little too often in terms of baseball, and you can point to different teams and show that that's the case. But this is where he is really behind the eight ball. Perry Collins doesn't really know at times when to ease off the throttle. Um, There was a situation about a week ago. He pulls Gabrielle Yanoa after two innings to chase the tying run with Ty Kelly at the plate. (laughs) And you go into this massive bullpen game after I think I know I had tweeted it out somewhere or something. The bullpen had pitched an insane amount of innings going into that game, including the night before pitching over six innings in an extra inning game. If you're in the, and what's hysterical, what's absolutely hysterical is he didn't act that way in the postseason last year. Game four of the world series, a game the Mets absolutely had to have. He didn't go with Jerry Familia for six outs because he wanted him for game five. Meanwhile, he throws him in game three in a game, you know, I think the Mets were up by what, like 27 runs in game three? And he goes clipper to Familia. But meanwhile, in game four, when you absolutely have to have that game, you tie that game at two games apiece. That's anybody's World Series. You fall down three to one. Well, we saw what happened. I wish Terry Collins managed a little bit more like we absolutely have to have this right here and now in the postseason last year. But he's acting like that now at the tail end of the regular season. You know, and now he's going to go chase home field in the wild card game. 
Who cares? The Mets won game five of the division series in Los Angeles when the, when the Dodgers were throwing Zach Greinke, who, what, what was second in the Cy Young last year with an ERA of sub two? The Mets proved it last year. If you have the better, grittier pitching staff, you're going to win no matter where you're at. He doesn't learn the lessons he should have learned last postseason. Oh, <laughs> I could go on for like yeah. three hours. Just put oh. the just put the phone down. Hey, and as we're as we're recording this, Jay Bruce has hit another home run. By the way, I'm gonna say I'm gonna go on a limb here. I think Bruce is back. I think he's finally back. You know, he couldn't be as bad as he was. Um, you can go up and down what the issue is with Jay Bruce. Jay Bruce is another low OBP, high slugging outfielder. Um, for people who criticize um, Lucas Duda for being a bit streaky, um, it may seem like Jay, Jay Bruce has a little bit of Lucas Duda in him where he can go off and snap off, you know, five, six home runs in the 10 game stretch. Uh, you do that at the right time. You win a couple of postseason series. You go cold at the wrong, right, you know, at the wrong time. You lose a couple series. Um, personally, I don't think they ever should have obtained Bruce. Um, I know I'm, 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 I was probably in the majority about this a week ago, and I'm in the minority about it now. I'd personally like to see roll the dice with Michael Conforto. Mm-hmm. I think Michael Conforto one. He gives you a much better glove in the outfield. And I think, you know, it's strange to say this, but I think his versatility at all three infield, uh, outfield positions is quite pivotal, um, especially at a team that may or may not be able to carry a Juan Ligaris in the postseason. Um, secondly, Ligaris gives you, I mean, Conforto probably gives you a better at that. Uh, he tends to work counts a little better. He definitely draws more walks. And, um, no, I, I, at this stage of his career, I don't think Conforto is going to hit for the same power. I don't it, I don't think uh, – Jay Bruce is a bat that can get you 35 home runs a year. I don't think that's unrealistic to ask of him, uh, especially next year if he learns how to hit in the – you know, pull the, little bit, pull the ball a little bit more at City Field. I, I think we've seen – uh, the right field corner is, you know, kind of the spot where you try to hit home runs at City Field. Um, yeah. So he could actually have a little bit more success next year. Um, I wouldn't be shocked if the Mets kept him and he threw up a 30-100 season. Um, I just personally think Conforto is the better outfielder, and I think he's your future. Yeah, I um, agree. I definitely agree with that. I, I, I think right now Conforto is a better player, but I understand what Terry's doing. Um, Jay Bruce is the veteran. Um, Jay Bruce is the hot bat. You know, Terry has this mantra he said last season, you hit, you play. So if he's saying, okay, Jay Bruce is hitting, he has to play, I think we'd all understand. But then if Jay Bruce followed this with like an 0 for 15, 25 streak, we know wildcard game, he's starting Jay Bruce over Michael Conforto. Sure. You know, that that's the problem. Um, I may be 
maybe I believe in Michael Conforto a little too much. It's possible. Um, I happen to think Conforto is, you know, with Granderson getting back, he's their third best outfielder, but I think he's probably their second best outfielder behind you and Cespedes, um, who, believe it or not, you know, it's funny. I was looking at the numbers with Cespedes. Um, I was like, wow, he's only batting about 270, 350, 500 since he came off the disabled list. He's slumping a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, there was a time where you would have, I, I, I don't think there was another time in Mets history you look at those numbers and go, man, you know, other than Daryl Strawberry, you would go, oh, I wish, you know, I wish that guy was hitting a little better, but that's part of the monster that Cespedes has created for himself. You expect him to slug almost 600 and yeah. hit like, 30, 40, uh, be on a 30, 40 home run pace. Yeah, it came to the point where you almost expected a home run every time with this guy coming up. Definitely agree with you on Conforto. Uh, to me, he is the future of this team. I think right now they're just going to try and run out Bruce to see what he has, if anything left at all, and he's starting to show something. Now, John, just to wrap it up real quick, are the Mets going to get there at this point with three games left after tonight? After Syndergaard's start, I think it's... You know, it's one of those things that we replayed and, you know, retweeted constantly at me. Um, with the Mets going to Citizens Bank Park, I have to think this is almost a virtual lock. Um, for all the things we talked about with the injuries, this team is still better than the Phillies. Um, I'd argue that they're as constituted that they're better than the Giants and the Cardinals. Um I think when you have Cespedes, when you have Granderson back, when you have T.J. Rivera playing better than I think even his biggest uh, champions would have ever thought he would have played. He's not only hitting um, at a high average, spraying line drives all over the place. He's playing a pretty good second base. Oh, and by the way, through all of this, Ashubal Cabrera is actually the best hitter in baseball over the last month of the season. Better than Mike Trout, better yeah. than Chris Bryant. Um, I'll be honest. I have to eat my... I'll eat crow on that one. I thought... I personally thought Cabrera was going to be a marginal upgrade over what Wilmer Flores might have been able to give you for a full mm-hmm. season. Um, Cabrera has been the limited-range defender we all thought he would be. Um but man, he doesn't miss anything that's hit right to him, does he? No, and he turns, yeah. And but but the way and I I knew he was a second half player, but this is just this is just ridiculous. He has been, and I, I don't think I'm pushing it too far. This past month, he has been what Cespedes was to the Mets last year. Yeah, it's been and pretty I, damn close the way he's played. And, and I think. And I would argue what he is doing right now is more important than what Cespedes did last year because Cespedes was on a much, 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 much better offensive team. Right now, although the Mets are better, they are worse at every position this year, offensively speaking, with the exception of Azrubal Cabrera. I mean, Cespedes has been amazing, but he wasn't the Cespedes he was last year. Granderson has been much better, but he's nowhere near what he was last year. Go down the line. 
Cabrera has been the biggest upgrade the Mets have had this season. Yeah, to me and it's amazing. He, and he is going to be the reason why the Mets make the wild card and watch him finish outside the top 20 in MVP voting. Yeah, yeah, I don't think he'll get anywhere near it either. I mean, he has been an absolute... Couldn't even put into words how great he's been for this team. I mean, most of the people, I think, just looked at this as a marginal signing. Nothing big. And, you know, here we are. Well, we're down in the final you countdown know, now. we got three games left. No, John, go ahead with your, with your point there. No, I was going to say, I thought he was a marginal upgrade. I thought he was an overpay. I was wrong. He has been with this, coming off the disabled list, he has been worth every penny. I don't care if he comes back next year, hits under the Mendoza line and runs backwards around the bases. He has, he has earned every penny with this stretch run. Without a doubt. He's earned his whole contract to me this year. Wasn't it like two years, 12 million that they signed him for? No, I thought it was, I thought it was, I thought he was making 8 million a year for two years. And he's got a fairly reasonable option for the third year. I mean, it made sense for him as a as a, a bridge to Rosario, who, by the way, may even be ready next year. I'm sure Teddy Seems Klein like from um, Mets Miners will will tell you he will be. Um, but uh, you know, you, man, it, that's a nice problem to have. Whether or not you pick up uh, Cabrera's option. Or, or you or you roll the dice that uh, Rosario is ready. Yeah, it was a two-year deal, eighteen point five million. I mean, still in these this day and age, that that's a bargain. It, it is. I remember at the time they signed him, I thought they wouldn't have the money for Cespedes, but yep. he fell in the mess lap. <laughs> um, speaking of which, if they don't sign him, I don't know what they're going to do next year. Yeah, they need to re-sign him, but we'll see what now. What's now is good what's happening. I didn't think they'd be anywhere near where they are right now. It's good to see. We're down the final countdown. we got three games left. I'm going this weekend. I'm dying to go out there and see this team clinch this weekend. John, thanks so much for coming out, joining us tonight. My pleasure. Have a good night. You too. Thanks a lot. Do you enjoy the show and want to follow us on the web? Well, there just so happens to be numerous ways you can do so. You can find us on Twitter, at AmazingMetsCast, as well as on Facebook, and our own website, TheAmazingMetsCast.com. Follow us, rate us, subscribe to us, download us, stream us, love us. Thank you. Welcome back to The Amazing MetsCast. We will go ahead and close out the show the way we like to, of course, with the road ahead. Road ahead a little bit different now. We're in the final three games of the season for the New York Mets. So let's take a look. The Mets, the Giants, the Cardinals. Three teams, two spots. Who's going to get in? Obviously, we all hope the New York Mets will be in there. Honestly, the Giants, Cardinals, both teams have their downfalls of who you want to take on. Um, To me, I'm so torn because... You know if you versus San Francisco, Madison Bumgarner is staring you in the face. If you versus St. Louis, you're probably going to look into Carlos Martinez. And St. Louis always finds a way, and that's what scares me the most. But let's see who has the best chance of even getting to this game at this point. So, Friday night, the Mets will head to Philadelphia. I'm personally pumped about this. I'm going to be heading to these games because I want to see the Mets clinch. I'm close to Citizens Bank Park. 
So I'm pumped to finally see this team clinch. Hopefully, you know, barring any type of uh, collapse. But I digress. So Friday night, the Philadelphia Phillies, they have Alex Asher on the mound, 2-0. Who are the Mets going to pitch on Friday? That's a great question. Um, so right now, it's going to be Robert Gazelman or Bartolo Colon. Nothing official has been said. Currently, they have Gazelman slotted in, uh, according to ESPN. But uh, there is good talk, though, of having Bartolo pitch on Friday due to the fact of giving him regular rest for the wild card game if needed. And, of course, that also turns into the fact of, well, then maybe Syndergaard ends up pitching Sunday if home field advantage is on the line. Me and John got into that earlier. I stick by what I say. It is a terrible decision. If you're going to have Syndergaard pitch on Sunday just for home field advantage, let the guy pitch the wild card game. So that being said, Colon or Gazelman for game one. The other one will pitch game two in Philadelphia. And uh, that second game in Philadelphia, Severino Gonzalez is who Philadelphia currently has slated. And then uh, game three, we have Noah Syndergaard slated to take on Jared Eikhoff, who has uh, been one of the Phillies' more stable pitchers this season. Well, obviously, the Mets have a great opportunity to take two out of three at least in Philadelphia. Might see some emotions in Philadelphia on Sunday. More than likely, it's going to be Ryan Howard's last game as a Philly. So, I'm sure you'll have some added emotion for a Sunday game. But hopefully, Sunday means nothing. Hopefully, everything is clinched on Saturday. Good to go. The game's on Fox. 1 o'clock. Let's get it done. San Francisco. They will get the Los Angeles Dodgers, and this is interesting. Now, Los Angeles obviously has already clinched the playoff position. They have the uh, NL West. Bumgarner is currently scheduled for Game 1 against Rich Hill. Game 2, Albert. Oh, sorry, Albert. Albert. Oh, my God, dude. I cannot speak on this episode for crap. Albert Suarez is slated to pitch against Clayton Kershaw. Now, in a game like this, where playoffs are right on the horizon, you're really not going to see like Kershaw or probably more than three or four innings at this point. It's more of a tune-up. But it, it kind of begs the question, in a situation like this, I mean, San Francisco's pitching is very thin as well. So, four innings, five innings of Clayton Kershaw... It, by the time the fifth inning, the game could be over. Who knows? San Francisco in game three will have Matt Moore, and he'll have no easier task. Kenta Maeda, 16 and 10 this year. So that San Francisco LA series is very interesting considering how bad San Francisco has been since the All Star break. I mean, I honestly do believe that St. Louis will take on a Pittsburgh team who has struggled mightily in their last three games. I really think St. Louis is going to jump over San Francisco. And I really think we're going to be seeing a New York-St. Uh, Louis wild card game hosted, though, at City Field. Uh, Carlos Martinez will take the man in game one against Pittsburgh against Tyler Glasnow, followed by Jaime Garcia and Chad Cole. And then Adam Wainwright will take on Ryan Vogelsong. So, to me, that's an easy series for St. Louis to take two out of three. You know, there's been games, they've been down, they come roaring right back. They seem to be on somewhat of a roll as of late. And to me, they're the most scary team going into this wild card game. I'd rather verse the Giants myself. I know you're versus Madison Bumgarner. 
but the Giants' bullpen is terrible. So if there's any way you can get past Bumgarner and still competitive in this ballgame, you'd have a shot. Where with the Cardinals, they just keep coming at you and at you and at you until they finally beat you. So we'll see. You know, it's definitely going to be a very fun last three games of the season. For those of you who want something to watch tonight, you can take a look at the San Francisco Giants and St. Louis Cardinals as they'll be finishing up their respective series. Uh, neither of them have the day off. So, um, yeah, we'll see what happens. It's definitely going to be an interesting time. It's going to be a great, great aspect if the Mets can get back to the postseason for the second consecutive year since 1999 and 2000. Hopefully we see it happen. They control their own destiny. You got three games to go. Let's close this out because, honestly, if you get past the wild card game, yes, you're versing the Chicago Cubs, but at the same time, you're playing with house money. You're not supposed to be there in the first place at this point due to everything that's gone on this year. And they've handled the Cubs pretty well. The Cubs are going to have all the pressure in the world. So it's going to be fun. The wild card, I love the wild card. You know, this, these are teams who, they're just playing with house money. Of course, they're not just playing for fun. They're playing to win. But you never know what can happen in the Major League Baseball playoffs. It's the best time of the year to me, best part of sports, and um, we'll see what happens. It's going to be a great weekend, hopefully a great following week ahead. We'll, uh, we'll be talking to you soon, hopefully with the wild card preview game next week. But um, let's hope for the best, and uh, let's go Mets. Let's go Mets.